It's November 29th, 2022, and this is your DSR Daily Brief. I'm Grant Haver. And I'm Chris Cotnor. Our top stories from international outlets this morning. NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg reaffirmed the military alliance's commitment to Ukraine today, saying that the war-torn country will one day become a member of the world's largest security alliance. The AP says Stoltenberg's remarks came as U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken and his NATO counterparts gathered in Romania to drum up urgently needed support for Ukraine aimed at ensuring Moscow fails to defeat the country as it bombards energy infrastructure. NATO's door is open, Stoltenberg said. Russia does not have a veto on countries joining, he said in reference to the recent entry of North Macedonia and Montenegro into the Security Alliance. He said that Russian President Vladimir Putin will get Finland and Sweden as NATO members soon. The Nordic neighbors applied for membership in April, concerned that Russia might target them next. Al Jazeera is reporting that China's military has said it drove away a United States naval ship that illegally intruded into waters near the Spratly Islands in the disputed South China Sea. The actions of the U.S. military seriously violated China's sovereignty and security, said Tian Junli, spokesman for the Southern Theater Command of the People's Liberation Army. The U.S. ship, the USS Chancellorsville, a guided missile cruiser, had recently sailed through the Taiwan Strait. There was no immediate comment from the U.S. military. Tian accused the U.S. of being a security risk maker in the area, claiming the sailing by the USS Chancellorsville was another ironclad proof of its hegemony in the navigation and militarization of the South China Sea. The Southern Theater Command said on its WeChat social media account that Chinese troops would remain on high alert. According to Deutsche Welle, Qatar's state-owned oil and gas company has agreed to send Germany 2 million tons of liquefied natural gas a year, Qatar Energy's CEO said this morning. Germany consumes around 100 billion cubic meters of natural gas annually, a little over half of which had been coming from Russia. The deal struck with Qatar Energy covers around 2.7 billion cubic meters per year. Gas will be sold to the U.S. company ConocoPhillips, which will deliver it to Germany. Supply is set to begin in 2026 and will continue for at least 15 years. Negotiations between Berlin and Doha had previously struggled as Germany was reluctant to sign a long-term gas deal. German economy minister Robert Habeck said that although Berlin would have nothing against signing a deal that lasts 20 years or more, companies have to be aware of Germany's long-term climate goals. The BBC is reporting that three stowaways have been found sitting on the rudder of a ship after it completed an 11-day voyage from Nigeria, Spanish authorities say. A photo shared by the Coast Guard shows the men sitting on the rudder at the oil tanker's helm, their feet less than a meter away from the water. 
They were taken to a hospital at the tanker's destination in Gran Canaria and treated for moderate dehydration. It is unclear if they spent the entire journey perched on the rudder. The men were seen by medics at the dock where they were found and were taken to the hospital soon after, the Spanish news agency EFE said. Today, we want to bring the protests in China into focus. China has seen its largest round of protests in more than 30 years over the last few days as frustrations around the zero-COVID policy boil over. Let's start with what the zero-COVID policy actually is. The zero-COVID policy describes the extreme lockdown measures put into place when a COVID case is detected in China, as well as the implementation of a more severe surveillance state. These lockdown measures include confining whole neighborhoods to their homes at such a speed that tourists can be caught up in the quarantine. The level of lockdown is such that it can be difficult to get food or medical care. Additionally, China has used apps to track health status and location history in order to grant access to public buildings and contact trace. However, in an authoritarian regime, this kind of tracking always serves multiple purposes. As we've discussed on this show before, protests around this issue are nothing new, with isolated protests popping up in Shanghai during a lockdown, in Beijing during the Chinese Communist Party Congress, and more recently, Guangzhou over working conditions and pay in a Foxconn factory. However, The current protests have spread to more than eight cities across the country and have been aimed not just at the immediate lockdown issues, but at the legitimacy of the regime itself. Protesters have used a blank sheet of paper to represent their frustration from censorship and a math equation first derived by Alexander Friedman because in Chinese it is pronounced like free man. The Chinese government has been working to censor any mention of the protests online and has now focused on rounding up protesters from over the weekend. In my conversations with China experts, one issue that has become clear is that there is actually a public health problem here. China is just setting up a special focus on vaccinating the elderly, because only a little more than 65% over 80 in China are fully vaccinated. In the U.S., those over 65 are more than 90% vaccinated. Additionally, China's vaccine nationalism is preventing them from using the more effective U.S.-produced mRNA vaccines in favor of the less effective Sinovac vaccine. To relieve some pressure from the protests, some local governments have relaxed restrictions around public transport canceled plans for construction of large quarantine facilities, and pledged for shorter lockdown periods in the future. However, China reported today that it had more than 38,500 infections in the past day, which is high for the country. Low vaccination rates with an ineffective vaccine, coupled with any opening, should see a spike in case counts which could fuel additional anger and a return of draconian public health measures. This story is far from over and we'll be tracking closely. In lighter news this morning from the UPI, 
the U.S. Postal Service is seeking volunteer Santas to answer letters from children as part of the organization's annual Operation Santa. The USPS said volunteers will be asked to browse through letters to Santa and adopt the ones they love. The volunteers will then reply to the letters in character as Santa Claus. Prospective Santas are being asked to register to create an Operation Santa account so their identities can be verified for participation. The letter response program is open through December 19th. That's all the news we have for you today. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so that more people can find the show. If you have a tip, topic, or correction you'd like to flag for us, please email us at podcasts at thedsrnetwork.com. Members of the DSR Network will receive an evening newsletter version of the DSR Daily Brief and bonus weekend briefs. If you aren't a member, go to thedsrnetwork.com and become a member to make sure you never miss any of our analysis. If you want more in-depth discussion of these issues, be sure to follow the links in the show notes to read our sources and tune into our sister podcasts on the DSR Network. Stay safe and stay tuned to the DSR Daily Brief. (laughs) 